What is this? And will it continue? Spoilers only time will tell. At first sight, it appears we've descended into the depths of holy hell. Look, I guess we're just going to do this. See how we go. Coming off the top after the premiere episode of Married at First Sight Season 9. My name is Max Quinn and this is an irregular, potentially one-off, solo maths reaction podcast here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast feed. I got to tell you, this is my first time watching Married at First Sight in so many years. And here on the BOH pod, we have just finished recapping Season 10 of The Bachelor's AU. It felt only natural to me. It feels like we've got some things to talk about. And in a lot of ways, I think this is going to be very different to how you might expect a traditional Bachelor of Hearts episode to be structured. Firstly, no Zavi. They are disinterested in this program and rightfully so, but I am a glutton for punishment. I am ready to talk about all of the awful things that have been here on the television tonight. Secondly, no written recaps. We are doing it off the dome. This is pure emotion and reactionary vitriol. And finally, no structure. We are talking until it falls apart. Just kind of seeing what happens because goodness gracious, a bunch of stuff happened in this show that is frankly, wild to me. Things that I have not seen on my television before. This is the very first episode of what I guess is season nine. I'm not caught up on the law. And here's what I want to hit on as we start to talk through this, okay? Firstly, first impressions. I wrote a bunch of names down. We're going to talk about people called Melissa, who I think is the 41-year-old horn dog. We are going to talk about the man named Jesse, who appears to be wearing a pink suit and sing in a metal band. I'm excited to unpack whatever is happening there. In addition, Cameron, Lyndall, Bronte, Harrison. These are the two people who got married in this episode, or the two couples who got married. And I want to talk a little bit about what has happened there. Maybe some other people will come up, but honestly... These people don't seem to quite matter yet, and we'll touch on them when and if they become relevant and when and if this podcast continues. But right now, oh boy, I am excited to talk about what I remember from this episode. And the first thing that I want to talk about is the fucking narration. Why is it there? We don't need this woman coming over the top. We're aware of what this show is. The premise is in the title. I don't think that it's necessary, but instead we're insisting on piping in this uh, stoic British woman as if she is like narrating a nature documentary instead of simply letting us have it. I like that the show is hostless. That to me is interesting, but in a way, I suppose we're also seeing these three, I don't know what you call them, experts, judges, giving us the full lowdown on why they have paired these people together. What are their credentials? Me personally, don't know, but very interested to see what we can learn as the season progresses. Now, this episode is brought to you with the assistance of my very good friend, ninenow.com.au and also the Marie Claire uh, website, Meet the Cast of Married at First Sight 2023, because frankly... Oh, God, I'm not going to be able to remember all these names. We had so many people on The Bachelor who came and went like that. 
This time we have 10 of each, I believe. 10 men and 10 women who are going to get married. It does what it says on the tin. And that is what I am expecting that I will like about this show. The premise is very simple and the drama is what these people are bringing to it. We saw a lot of drama, some of it touching, interpersonal, beautiful drama, and some of it off the rails, piece of shit, bong water man drama that I'm so excited to unpack as we move through. The people who did not get married in this episode are the people who I want to talk about first, okay? So those are Melissa. Let's talk about her. Melissa Shepard, a 41-year-old hairdresser from Sydney's Northern Beaches. And here's the thing. Melissa is a root rat. She has a an intense fascination with talking about getting it wet, sucking and fucking. What can I say? She is the person who I think is being pigeonholed as our comic relief character for the season. Not only is she the oldest woman and perhaps also the oldest person on the show, but I also think that there's something about the way that the show has given her one character trait and one character trait only that means that she is only going to serve that purpose. And that purpose? Rooting. She is here to talk about sex. And goodness gracious, we have heard her say so many times how important it is to fucking do it. Um, over the course of this episode, she uh, is a an ex-wife, I suppose. She uh, co-parents a son. And if I am the son, I am going, you know what, earmuffs. I don't want to know anything about what's going on here with my mum. She seems to really want to bone Chris Hemsworth as well. She keeps talking about Thor. And we might start to see a little bit of conflict, I think, between Melissa and this other woman called Melinda, the two Mel's, as we like to call them here on the BOH Pod Maths one-off recap. Um, and Melinda is this other woman who they introduced as driving a Porsche. She's wearing like a pink power suit. I don't necessarily know that she matters quite yet, but I think that she will be a source of conflict later in the show. All right. Now, the other man that we saw was named Jesse. Jesse, I hated. He is a 30-year-old marriage celebrant from Perth. We know that he is a, uh, a man from a metal band as well, apparently. I got to tell you, there is so much happening with Jesse that makes me think you have been emotionally malnourished Growing up, I wonder if you were picked on. I don't quite understand, Jesse, what is going on with you. He is boisterous, but not in a fun way. He doesn't seem to know his place in a social setting. This is all that I'm gleaning from one episode and, to be frank, 15 minutes of this program. We're going to meet Jesse on tomorrow night's episode of Married at First Sight. I'm pretty interested in seeing what that means for us, but I don't predict good things. I'm hoping that he gets paired up with the 41-year-old root rat named Melinda, but scrolling down my cast list a little bit, I actually think that there's a 40-year-old man named Josh who says that he is a self-proclaimed station wagon of relationships who I think that Melinda will get paired with. And I don't think that looking at Josh, that his sexual appetite is going to be the same as hers. As for the poor woman who gets stuck with Jesse Burford, good luck to you. Okay. These are the people that stuck out as we started to introduce and meet the cast. And the way that we did this was a hen's night and a 
Bucks night, I suppose, right? But it's basically like a big women's chat and a big men's chat in two separate houses. And there was no real conflict that came out of it. We're basically sowing the seeds for things that are going to come later. One of these things called a dinner party, which I've heard a lot about. I'm interested. Now, what we're all here for? The weddings. We are here to watch two people walk down the aisle who have never seen each other before in their lives and to watch them kiss and then figure it out. And the first wedding that we learn about is the wedding of this couple called Lindell and Cameron. And I have really positive vibes from the both of them. Okay. So we learn about Lindell first. She's an accountant from WA. She has cystic fibrosis, which is one of the things where, as they explain on the show, you don't breathe so good. Um, But she has recently discovered a whole new medicine, which has given her a drastically increased life expectancy and a whole new lease on it. And so now she's like, cool, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's get married at first sight. And the important thing here is that they have paired her with this seemingly very nice man from the Northern Territory called Cameron. Here's what we know about Cameron. He is also 27. He is a carpenter. He lives in Darwin, but he also works remotely. And at a certain point, I think he also said that he grew up in Grafton. We love a mid-North Coast boy. He can spend months at a time away from home. He has never in his life had a girlfriend. You can see where the conflict is going to come in for this couple, but I hope that they make it. These are the sort of like, I would consider surmountable trials that the show I'm going to guess is going to place on them. They live far away. He works remotely. She has cystic fibrosis. However, will they navigate it? realistically, these two people seem like they're pretty cut out for each other. And the show is already doing a pretty good job of trying to show us that, right? We have the moment where they like red curry together. We have the moment where they're both interested in country music. This seems like the show is doing a pretty good job of trying to make sure that we know that they're simpatico. And he seems like a nice dude. This is the other part. I came into this show very skeptical of the men and one of the men that we'll meet in just a moment made me pretty confident that I was right to have those suspicions. But this fella, his intentions seem like they're pretty good. At one point in the episode, Lyndall tells him that she has the cystic fibrosis and he's like, oh, yep, know it. That's all good. Can't wait to support you through that. It's pretty interesting. He's had experience with this in the past. It makes me think that the casting on this show is pretty on point because like, If you are thinking about people who have things in common, people who might be well-suited to each other, and this, I suppose, is the premise of the show, right? We're scientifically engineering perfect couples to get married on the first day, except actually we're mostly not doing that. We're just putting people together who are going to explode upon contact. But what I think is happening here is that they might have actually found something pretty nice between Lyndall and Cameron. Their wedding is cute. The vows are cute. They both seem to have good chat. I like that she is particularly giggly and I loved, at first I hated, but then I loved the joke that he did where he was like, I've got a beautiful 21 month old. And then it turned out to be his dog. So that's Lyndall and Cameron, a couple who I'm expecting good things from as this series progresses. The conflict with them, I think, is just going to be, and particularly because we saw it up the front of the episode, particularly because I think that that means that they want us to believe and to buy into the experiment that this uh, format 
for falling in love is plausible. I don't know if it is. Fuck, I've got no idea of the history of this show, if anyone's still together or not. It just seems like it's a magnet for drama personally. But it's important for us as an audience to believe that the formula can work in order to then get invested in the drama. Maybe that's where The Bachelor is also failing us at the moment if I am to draw parallels between those two shows. Anyway, that's what's going to happen. Lyndall and Cameron going to go real good, but can they make it on the outside world because he's so far away? The next couple to get married are called Harrison and Bronte, and here's where things start to get pretty juicy and pretty disgusting as far as I am concerned. So on the one hand, you have Harrison. He is this smarmy, like, I don't understand why his head is shaped like that. I'm taking pot shots right off the jump. I don't like this man. He is a builder from New South Wales. The whole idea is that, like, he's not supposed to take himself too seriously, but he comes off as incredibly and unlikably cocksure. And it is a great editing job for the show to make him seem distrustworthy, to make him seem like, as it is presented to us by one of the bridesmaids, a fuckboy. There's a lot going on with Harrison that I just think is like icky. And he's marrying Bronte. Bronte is uh, also from New South Wales. She's like this big eyed. uh, This is really funny. They call her on the show an online beauty educator. She's definitely an influencer. I haven't looked this up, but I'm certain of it. Um, And the vibe here is that Bronte is always attracted to Chad's. And she gets her heart broken by Chad's all the time. And can you believe that they have put these two people together? Is he the Chad with the heart of gold? Is he simply another fucker? That is what is supposed to be hanging over our heads as we start to dive into the wedding of Bronte and Harrison. And things start pretty well, right? So they're not sure, the bridesmaids, because Harrison has sort of made some comments about how good looking he is. And to the camera also, he tells us that the inspiration for his suit is uh, James Bond in Casino Royale, which is incredible, uh, a, a fucking funny thing for a man who does not have a neck to say to begin with. But Bronte's into it. She likes that he's confident and Harrison thinks that Bronte is beautiful He also in confessional, God, this man uh, says that he's like, his number one worry is like, what if I'm not attracted to her? For her part, Bronte is not given a personality by the show. This is one of those things that I think where Bronte has kind of been done a disservice. We don't get to know very much so far about who she is or what she's into. The point of her being there appears to be that she is going to be the poor woman who this man named Harrison is going to be subjected upon. And the central point of conflict lies around the fact that Harrison allegedly has been dating this 20-year-old woman on the outside and, whoops, he's promised that after the show is over, after the experience ends, it's a word that is common to The Bachelor and to this show, apparently, uh, he's going to come back to her and they're going to resume dating. And the reason that we know this is because of a celebrity cameo from a woman who was edited almost entirely out of the recent season of The Bachelor season 10. Her name is Jess and she was, I believe, one of Jed's Bachelorettes. I can't say that for certain. It's been 12 hours since that show finished. We're now talking about Married at First Sight. Get with the program. Um, here's, here's the thing, though. Jess is now on Married at First Sight as a wedding guest at the wedding of Bronte and Harrison. This woman has had a massive January on Australian reality TV. And 
No more meaningful impact was made than in her scene here where she pulls this woman, Bronte, aside and she's like, look, guess what, babes? I've got texts from the girl that he's dating who happens to also be my friend. And here's a picture of his suitcase. And Bronte is livid with this. And she's like, oh, fuck, not again. Can't believe that this would happen on the show Married at First Sight where nothing good ever happens, it seems. Uh, Anyway, what goes on is that Bronte pulls this bloke, Harrison, aside for a chit-chat. And Harrison is a schmoozer. I don't like it. He's busy floating up a storm with Bronte's mum being like, I can see where she got her eyes from. Like, you smooth-talking uh, faux charmer. I don't I don't like it. The cocky confidence for me is uh, visceral, as it turns out. Uh, and I only have noises for it. Here, though, is where Bronte's like, hey, listen, you haven't told me about the 20-year-old on the outside, and also you've not told me that you have a child. So what's going on with that? And this man is like, stop gaslighting me. I can't believe you're making a big deal about this. I don't, I didn't come in here and do any of this to you. Like, it's just, it's awful. He has a big baby tantrum and then they have to do speeches and then that is the end of the episode. I am predicting nothing but chaos for Bronte and Harrison. The ultimatum basically is that if Bronte finds out that there's something going on with the 20-year-old on the outside, then Harrison is going to get 86. He is going to get cut right from the relationship and that is going to be the end of him. He can be welcome to go back to whoever this woman is in Sydney. Now, that I reckon is all I have to say about everything that we've seen so far. Will I watch more episodes? Absolutely. I think this show is chaotic and awful. And at the moment, that is what I am attracted to in my reality TV viewing life. In a weird way, I feel like The Bachelors was the perfect primer for nonsense such as this. Will this podcast return? It's much harder to say. I do not think that I can commit to doing this every night or every episode, but I would like to jump on sporadically and talk to you, maybe here, maybe on the BOH Patreon feed, about how things are going on this show, what I am thinking. And if you are a member of the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on Facebook, I would love you to jump in. Tell me what you think, because I am fascinated by who these people are and how awful things appear to be. And that is going to do it for the inaugural one-off, solo, Married at First Sight reaction podcast here on the Bachelor of Hearts Patreon podcast feed. Is it Patreon? Who can say? Look, that is the end of where we are at. My name is Max Quinn. For my dear, dear friend Xavier RN, we're going to say, listeners, we love you and goodbye. Goodbye.